The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. Are you ready for the word? Yeah, yeah open up to Matthew 21. So, uh, Matthew 21. Now, <laughs> you know what I love about... Um, that the guys do in the HSC. It's, it's the end of a chapter, but it's the beginning of another. And so basically what's happening with the students of the HSC is that they're basically now doing the test to finish high school, doing basically it's 12 years of, of education and it's the test to see what they've learnt. No pressure, but it's the test to see what you've learnt so that you can move on into the next phase of life. How many of you know that, um, that there's a test coming for all of us? And uh, this is called the day of accountability. So there's a test. And the test is when we get before God. And a lot of people, they want to put aside the day of accountability and not even think about it. But the scripture is incredibly clear that there's going to be like an HSC exam for all of us in heaven. And you know what I'm going to do today? I'm actually going to give you the answers to the test. How many of you think that would be a pretty cool thing to do? How many of you like to go to a test where you know what the questions are? Uh, now, you call that cheating. But, um, but in God's case, it's not cheating. It's me helping you out and setting you up for success. But what needs to happen is that we need to understand that there is a day of accountability. We need to understand there is a day where God will ask us some pretty important questions. And a lot of people have got no idea that there's a day of accountability coming. They've got no idea that God's actually going to ask us some important questions. So let me lay the foundation by just saying that so many of the parables include the day of accountability. So Matthew 21, 40, this is the parable of the, the vine dressers. And um, again, Jesus used stories that related to the first century. It's hard for us to sort of identify, but this is a parable of uh, a vineyard that was owned by a master. And he basically gave the responsibility of looking after that vineyard to certain people that abused their responsibility. But in Matthew 21 verse 40, what we find is that there is the day of accountability. It says, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do with those vine dresses? So very clearly, the owner will come and the day of accountability will be established. In Matthew twenty-two eleven, 11, um, there is the parable of the wedding feast. And the parable of the wedding, wedding feast is anybody, the doors are open, everybody can come. But then the master the, 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 uh, walks into the wedding feast and, and looks and finds that there is someone there that wasn't wedding, wearing the wedding garment. It says, And when the king came in to see the guest, 22 verse 11, he saw a man there who did not have on 
are wedding garments. So again, there's an accountability. Why aren't you wearing the wedding garment? Accountability is the key thing. Then in chapter 25, verse 19, you know, I'm just basically laying a foundation. of So many of the stories of Jesus has this day of accountability. Matthew 25, 19, this is the parable of the talents. So many of us know the parable of the talents, which is huge, vast resources that were given to people. One received five talents, one received two talents, one received one talent. And then in uh, 25 verse 19, it says this, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Okay, day of accountability has arrived. What did you do with the resources that I gave you. In, uh, in chapter 25, 31, 32, this is really clearly explained. It says, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations. This is, that word nations is the Greek word ethnos, people groups. So all the people groups of the world will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Day of accountability and then rewards will be given accordingly. But here's one more scripture for me to lay the foundation for what I'm saying today. So it's not just one obscure scripture. This is Romans 14 verse 10. Very powerful scripture. uh, Very clearly articulated. In the epistles, um, Pastor Paul, the Apostle Paul, well, he was Pastor Paul, but the Apostle Paul was writing to the Italians. And, um, and this is what he was saying to those in Rome. It says, for we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Wow, what a day that will be when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, you all understand that there are, there are two judgments. One's called the great white throne judgment. The other is called the judgment seat of Christ. Non-Christians will be before the great white throne judgment. Christians will be before the judgment seat of Christ. So the judgment seat of Christ is for us. Paul was writing to Christians. He's saying we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And when this happened, every, every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then it says, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Wow. That's you know, I don't want to be heavy today because we're only heavy if you're not prepared for that day. If you're prepared for that day, it's not a problem. It's those that are unprepared. It's like tomorrow, you've got the HSC. I hope that you've prepared yourself. You've prepared yourself. It's not a big deal if you've prepared yourself. But if, but if you're just, you know, just walking along, going to the beach, watching television, playing computer games, oh, tomorrow the exam's on. What? There's failure ahead of you. So as a good pastor, I'm preparing you for the day of accountability. And, and here are the exam questions. Are you ready to write down the exam questions? Okay, question number one. Most important question of all questions. Here it is. What did you do with Jesus? Question number one. What did you do with Jesus? 
That's the big question. What did you do with Jesus? Because the greatest gift that God gave this world was the gift of his son. Come on. He gave us this planet. How many of you know it's a beautiful planet? He gave us life. What a beautiful thing it is to have life. I love life. Does anybody enjoy life? God's given us amazing gifts. Uh, You know, to be honest with you, one of the greatest gifts that God's given me is my beautiful wife. My heart still skips a beat when I think about her. I just, I'm just more in love today than I was when I first married her. And I was passionate back then. Every day I say, God, I thank you for that gift. I'm blessed with this church. What a great church Life Source Church is. I just love our church. Do you know what? I'd rather preach here than anywhere else in the world. This is home for me. I love you guys. I love being here. But beyond that, the greatest gift of all that is Jesus. He's the greatest gift. And for us that understand how God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And for me, that was probably the scripture that I memorized first of all scriptures. Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, the wonder of Jesus. What did you do with Jesus? Well, for me, I've received him, invited him into my life. Because that question, what did you do with Jesus, is what brings you into heaven. Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Sooner or later, everyone's going to confess. The God-haters are all going to bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for them, it's going to be too late. But for us, what an amazing revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, so what did you do with Jesus? First answer has got to be, I received him. How many of you have received Jesus? That's awesome. So, so you've got the right answer for that. But then the next phase is not just to receive him, but it's to become like him. See, to receive him is about becoming converted. To become like him is to be transformed. And Jesus came not just to convert you, but to transform you. Let me read you this amazing scripture in Romans 8.29. It says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, so let, let me tell you what this scripture means. Here, this is what this scripture means. Before the world was created, before you were born, God knew you. How awesome is that? God knew you. And he had a plan for your life. He predestined, he purposed one thing for you, that you might become like Jesus, conform to the image of his son, means to become like Jesus. So God's plan for you right at the very beginning was not just for you to receive Jesus, but for you to become like Jesus. So that the way you do life is godly. The way you do life is Christ-like. And see, see for, for many Christians on this planet, they've got the first part right. They haven't got the second part right. So they've received Jesus. Fantastic. You know, I, I, I walk by faith and by grace I'm saved. Awesome. Great. You've ticked the first box. 
Fantastic. You've stepped in the door. Wonderful. What do you do next? Well, what you do next is that you become like him. You become like him. You become like Jesus. Oh, there's nothing more beautiful than to find Christians that have become like Jesus. You know what? I I get so disappointed when I find Christians that just use their salvation as a license to do whatever they want to do. See, See, godly people love godliness. Godly people love the things of God. Godly people love things that are pure and righteous and holy. Godly people have basically cut themselves off from worldliness. You know, this is an amazing thing. When I was a kid growing up, the big message was you got to stay away from worldliness. But it was all legalistic stuff. You know, it was all don't smoke, don't drink, don't swear. You know, you know stay away from people that do stuff like that. And it was just all legalistic. We've come across the pendulum has swung so far over that now, well, we're under grace. And basically that means we can do whatever we want to do because we're under grace. We are under grace. But under grace, it ought to give us a greater revelation of becoming more godlike because of this amazing gift of God that he saved us, not out of our works, but out of his precious gift. So that would want to make us more like Jesus than anything else. And to cut off ungodliness and worldliness and and all the stuff. Come on. One, One of the reasons why there is so much sexual immorality in the church is because the church are, are being bombarded with sexual immorality on every corner, in every program, television, movies, billboards, books, stuff like that. And so if that's what you expose yourself to, that's what you become. See, God lovers expose themselves to the word of God. God lovers expose themselves to things like worship and adoration of God. The, the ascending into the heavenly places with Christ. When you do that, you become like that which you focus on. See, God's dream for you is to become like Jesus. He is the prototype of of. You know, the firstborn amongst the brethren. Put that scripture back up, please. It says that he is the firstborn among many brethren. I I, I love the new word, prototype. Jesus was the prototype. He becomes the one whom we copy. Okay, so what do you want to be like? I want to be like Jesus. What did Jesus do? He loved people. He healed people. He ministered to people. He forgave people. He was gracious. He was loving. He was kind. He, he overcame the, the fleshly stuff and he was godly. That's God's desire for your life. So the first question is, what did you do with Jesus? Here's the second question. Are you, are you, are you still awake this morning? Are you there? Here's the second question to the exam. Are you ready for this? Here it is. Did you take your opportunities to share the gospel? Did you take your opportunities to share the gospel? Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Did you take your opportunities? How many of you know that there are opportunities? See, the Bible calls me a servant. The Bible calls you a servant. Everybody say, I'm a servant. 
So servants do what the master says. And there's accountability. And so many of the parables just open up the fact that we're servants. And kingdom people understand that we're sons and servants. So there's this, again, you know, it's not either or. It's both and. You're a son and you're a servant. You're a, you're a child, you're a servant. Let's not leave the women out. And, uh, and so, so there's this amazing connection to God, our Father. But then he's the master as well. So he's the father and the master. And so there's accountability. And so, yeah, we can enjoy sonship, but there's also responsibility of servanthood. That Paul talked about himself as a doulos. He used this Greek word doulos, which means bond servant. It means someone who's actually given themselves to servitude to the master. I'm a slave. Yes, sir. What do you want me to do, sir? So keeping that in mind... The master gives us opportunities. And what a servant does is that they take up the opportunities. Got to be aware of the opportunities that God gives you. Paul talked about being a debtor. In Romans chapter 1, verse 14, he actually called himself a debtor to the gospel because he had this revelation. I received this that's changed my life it was freely given to me and because i've received it i have a responsibility to pass it on everybody say pass it on you know i love that whole thing pass it forward that whole concept of passing it forward does anybody else love that passing it forward and all that shows is that you're grateful for what's come your way and because you're grateful for what's come your way you're happy to pass it forward. Let me tell you about the divine opportunity that impacted my life to this day. The divine opportunity happened in 1939. 1939. This is, this is where my connection to salvation happened in 1939. You said, but you weren't even born then. That's right, I wasn't even born then. But that's where my connection to salvation happened. And it happened with... An, a migrant Italian in America. His name is Brother Maiolo. Brother Maiolo got saved as an Italian migrant in America, got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and what happened in America during those in, in the late 30s, there was a move of God across a lot of these Italian migrants that got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a burden in their heart to say, you need to go back to Italy and preach the gospel to your relatives. And so what this guy did, he took, can you get hold of this? He took his divine opportunity to get on a ship, sail across to Italy, to go to his hometown of Ragona in in the south of Calabria to preach the gospel. And, And you know what? He preached the gospel and nobody listened. Preached the gospel and nobody listened. How many of you would get disappointed? And that word preach is to share. You know, I mean, some, so, so often we get this word preach and it's a preacher on a platform and, sh- you know, waving their arms and pointing their finger. No, no, it's this sharing, this communication of the gospel. And so, so what Brother Mayola did is that he kept doing it, he kept doing it, nobody responded. Nobody responded. So he booked his, his tickets to go back to... Uh, to America, and in those days, no airplanes to fly, just a ship. And so the custom 
in southern Italy is that if a relative comes to visit, then the custom is that you need to go and bid them farewell before they leave. And so my grandfather was related to Brother Maiola. They were first cousins. Um, my grandmother, her surname was Maiola. My, sorry, my great-grandmother, her surname was Maiola. And, and so my grandfather, Antonio Campisi, actually went to bid farewell to this cousin of his who was going back to America. And, um, and so my, my, my grandfather uh, starts communicating to him about the reason for his trip. And, and the cousin communicates, there was only really one reason. Yeah, I wanted to see all my relatives, but there was really only one reason. I wanted to share the gospel with you. And my grandfather says, and, and so what's your definition of the gospel? How many of you know that that question opens up a divine opportunity right there? And so Brother Mayola then just opened up the scriptures and preached the gospel to my grandfather and another one of his relatives. And those two young men who were both in the mafia at the time. They, seriously, I'm not joking. They were both mafios, so they carried pistols. They, uh, they, they were in the mafia. And, uh, and so this brother Mayolo led those two young men to the Lord in the house in Raguna in 1939. And then he got upset with both of them. He says, I've been here for months and I've tried, and you guys didn't listen. And now on the last night, as I'm going back to America, you get saved. He said, yeah. He says, well, I'm not letting you go home. He says, I've got to disciple you. And so he wouldn't let him go home. He says, matter of fact, what you've got to do is that you have to accompany me. Can you imagine being that strong with two mafiosi guys? Okay. <laughs> They've just gotten saved. I don't know how saved they really were. Okay. <laughs> You've got to accompany me to the port. We're going to Messina, and you're going to come with me. And so it was a couple of days' journey to Messina. And so on the journey, he discipled them, two days of discipleship with these two guys. They got gloriously saved. Both of them ended up becoming pastors in their own right. Brother Mayola gave my grandfather the Bible, and my grandfather got gloriously saved became a pastor, planted 11 churches in Italy, led, obviously, my mother, who was his daughter, to the Lord, but also led my father, went to my father's village, preached the gospel in my father's village, in Carello, which is just near San Giovanni in Fiore. And my, my father got saved, ended up marrying the preacher's daughter. What a great deal. My dad's cousin got saved as well, ended up marrying the other preacher's daughter. So two cousins married two preacher's daughters. They were the two converts in that village. And, and, and then the gospel got handed over to me. But you know what? To this day, Brother Mayolo is going to have an incredible prize in heaven because he took up his divine opportunity. He had no idea what the results were. He had no idea that for generations to come, his obedience to God by leaving America, going to Italy to preach the gospel would literally be impacting a church in Sydney, Australia called Life Source that's now ministering to literally hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. Come on, you've got to take up your divine opportunities. If you're going to clap, give the Lord a great big hand of praise. <clears throat> We've printed up literally hundreds of thousands of these tracks. 
We've got another 20,000 that's coming in this week. It's basically called, how good do you have to be to get to heaven? And it's just a tract that helps communicate the gospel. If you don't feel that you're confident in being able to articulate, why don't you just give people one of these tracts? Because in giving them a tract, you're actually communicating the gospel. There's so many different ways of doing it. But take up your divine opportunities. It's a great thing, even on a Saturday, when we've got the street stall there in, in Chatswood, just to go with the team. Hand out some of these tracks. And if people ask you questions, try to answer them to your best. Don't, I don't enter into arguments. I mean, I, I was on the street the other day just sharing with people, and this girl wanted to have an argument with me. And my attitude is, I'm not here to argue with you. If you want to know what I believe, I'm happy to share it with you, but I'm not here to argue with you. And I just cut it short right there where they're they're wanting to argue with me. Now, how many of you know that being argumentative never wins you points? If people are hungry to hear what I believe, I'm happy to share with them. But I'm not here to tell them, oh, you're wrong. I'm not here to tell them that. I'm just, hey, listen, this is what I believe. This has impacted my life. Has it, not only has it impacted my life, but the life of many others. Question number three. Now, you know I'm not going to finish this message today. Uh, Question number three. Here it is. Did you make disciples? So did you take your opportunities to share the gospel? Did you make disciples? Because this is the last great command of Christ to the church. Go into all the world. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, that's what we call the Great Commission. In actual fact, the Great Commission has a part A and a part B. The part A is Mark 16, which is go and preach the gospel. Part B is go and make disciples. How many of you know they're two separate things? Preaching the gospel is to get people to receive Christ so they can get converted. So that's part A. Part B is what do you do with them once they're converted? And part B is to make disciples. So so it's wonderful that you're converted. That's awesome. It's wonderful that you're preaching the gospel. That's awesome. But God's calling upon you is not just to help people get saved, but also to make disciples. And to make a disciple is to literally make a Christ follower. So God not only wants you to become like Jesus, but help others become like Jesus. So it's not just helping them receive Jesus, that's conversion. It's helping them become like Jesus. That's discipleship. So how are you doing with that? So how many people have you helped become like Jesus? You say, John, I I, I really don't know. Well, we're here to help you. If you're a Christian, we're here to help you do that. And so become a connect group leader in our church because all connect group leaders in our church are actual disciple makers. Their whole job is to help people become like Jesus. And you know what we've done as well is that, you know, we've released these tracks. You know, I love these tracks. We've got people that don't even come to our church that have got our tracks and go across Sydney and give them to people. We, we, we've had them printed for, you know, all over the world. We've had it translated into Tamil. And so in Tamil they use, in, in, uh, in India they use some of these tracks. And my attitude is, it's free. My attitude is, hey, listen, 
we got the name of the printer. If you want the hundreds of thousands of these printed up, that's fine. And if you don't want to put our name at the back, that's cool. Put someone else's name at the back. It doesn't worry me. As long as the message gets out, that's the most important thing. I've never made one cent out of it because my greatest joy is just one soul in heaven because of it. That's the payment for me, one soul in heaven. That's awesome. And so what we've done is that we put on the internet our whole discipleship material. So if you go to lifesource.org.au, lifesource.org.au. If you're watching on television, go to our website, lifesource.org.au. Our whole discipleship material is there and it's free. You can download the discipleship manual. You can also download 15 15 minute DVDs. It's all on the internet. It's free. It's going all over the world. It's about making disciples. And so my hope is this, that I'm doing multiplication through the internet, through distribution of literature, so that when it comes to answering the question to heaven, I can tick those boxes. But I don't want to just tick it for me. I want a ticket for you. I want you to be able to, on that day, not hold your head down in shame, but to be able to lift up your head and you say, hey, Jesus, my pastor actually gave me the questions to the exam. <laughs> he actually told me that you're going to ask me what I did with Jesus. How did I go with preaching the gospel? How did I go with making disciples? And you know what? I've prepared myself. Oh, come on. If that's the case, I'd be just the happiest person on this planet. Hey, I'm about to get finished. But all I can say is this, is that next week, part two of this message, and here's the fourth question, did you fulfill your life purpose? And next week, not only will I help you answer this question, but I'm going to share with you how to find your life purpose. So bring your friends, bring your relatives, bring your enemies Because if they find their life purpose, they won't be an enemy anymore. Uh, Bring anybody that you know along next week because it's going to be awesome. Let me finish by saying this. Our focus is Jesus. Everything we do here is about Jesus. He's the center of it all. He's the focal point. He's the message. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And you know what? Because... I've received Jesus, and so many of you have received Jesus. It doesn't worry us when the end of the world is going to come. I mean, it's like almost every day now with the blood moons and everything. Someone's prophesying the end of the world. How many of you know that I don't, I don't, I don't go there with you guys? How many of you know that Pastor John isn't preaching end of the world every Sunday stuff? I'm not preaching that. Why is that? Because I just know that Jesus will return when we've done our job and taken the gospel to the ends of the earth and so we're doing our best to do that i don't want to destabilize your thoughts because if you love jesus it doesn't matter when that happens if it happens today i'm ready if it doesn't happen today i'm doing what god's called me to do so i'm not i'm not looking for the blood moons and you know and and the antichrist i'm looking for jesus too many people are focusing on blood moons and antichrist and the rebuilding of the temple in jerusalem I'm focused on Jesus. I, I, he's, the, he's the center of it all. Everything, everything in the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation focuses on Jesus. He is the center of it all. When you receive Jesus, everything changes.
because he is altogether lovely. When he comes into your life, he just transforms you. My goodness. See, this is not receiving a religion. This is not receiving an indoctrination. God did not send articles of faith. God did not send rules and regulations. God sent his son. And so your salvation is based on relationship with Jesus. It's, it's based on this revelation of who is Jesus. And so, so when you read the New Testament, what you find is that every book of the New Testament has a revelation of Jesus. In the book of Matthew, he's the king of the Jews. In the book of Mark, he's our humble servant. In the book of Luke, he's the perfect man. In the book of John, he's the eternal God. In the book of Acts, he's the ascended Lord. In the book of Romans, he's the Lord, our righteousness. In the book of 1 Corinthians, he's our resurrection. In the book of 2 Corinthians, he's the God of all comfort. In the book of Galatians, he's the redeemer of the law. In the book of Ephesians, he's the head of the church. In the book of Philippians, he is the supplier of all of our needs. In the book of Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, he's the coming Christ. In the book of 2 Thessalonians, he's the consuming Christ, taking vengeance on all those who do not obey the gospel. In the book of 1 Timothy, he's the savior of sinners. 2 Timothy, the righteous and rewarding judge. Titus, our great God and Savior. Philemon, the payer of our debts. Hebrews, the appointed heir of all things. James, the great physician. 1 Peter, the chief shepherd. 2 Peter, the beloved son. 1 John, the word of life. 2 John, the son of the father. 3 John, the truth. Jude, the preserver and only wise God. And in the book of Revelation, he is the Alpha and Omega the captain of our salvation, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the resurrected king who's returning in power and might to take up his church. That's who Jesus is. And Jesus is knocking at your heart's door saying, I am the light of the world. Can I come into your life and bring light to your darkness? I'm the prince of peace. Can I come into your world and bring peace to your anxiety? I'm the savior of the world. Can I forgive your sins and give you eternal life? He's knocking at your heart's door. All you've got to do is open up and let him in. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.